This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, <laughs> the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron, and I don't know what Nate is laughing about, but I'm joined by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. Would you like to let us in on the joke, Mr. Epitasis? Well, do you have the, the stream up while we're streaming live here? Uh, yes. Okay, well, the you know my little singing did come through right at the very beginning of the stream, <laughs> oh, when okay. when you know Mike was silently counting you down and I was singing Kanye West RoboCop in the background. Sure. So that's what I was laughing at. That you that, were laughing uh, at yourself at your own thing. Well, I really thought I was early enough that it wasn't going to get on the stream here, but <laughs> clearly, uh, I was mistaken. Well, otherwise, uh, how are you, Nate? How, how's your evening? Uh, evening's pretty good. Um, I, uh, I cooked some, some chicken and broccoli and rice for dinner. Uh, I don't, I don't understand how people cook all the time. Cause now there's like 16 <laughs> dirty dishes in my fucking kitchen. Yeah, dude. That's what it does. So yeah, after, after we get done recording here at, you know, 11 PM, then I'll, uh, start the dishes, uh, down to four work emails. So that's pretty good. Uh, approaching inbox zero on that. What's going on with you? Uh, I also cooked tonight, although SB and I tag teamed it a little, so it was uh, slightly easier. But it's her week to do the dishes, so I don't have to worry about that shit. So don't care how many how many dirty Damn. dishes I make. SB owned. That's right. I loved. I like to make. I will offer to cook more elaborate dishes on the week that it's her turn <laughs> to do the dishes. <laughs> so that's I don't just, have. That's just good strategy. That's yeah, just good yeah, tactical yeah. thinking. And then, like when it's my week, it's like Friday, and I'm like, we should order something out, maybe. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good week for me overall. Uh, also joined by Mike Spears. What's up, Mike Spears? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Uh, I like doing dishes. I It's something that, like, I'm someone that I find doing, like, repetitive acts is, is kind of, like, calming. And it's something that, like, I have to do dishes constantly right now, even though I live by myself because I constantly have to clean dog bowls, I have to clean like all of that sort of stuff. So that's fine. However, I ordered out for I had like my first burger in about five months, and it was amazing today. Mm. So was the, it a uh, what is it? Big Show, Mister Big Show Burger? No, what is not, it? Mister Show Beast Burger. Uh, Mister Show I Beast. I know there was a meme, and I just didn't know what it was. God no, damn it. It, it! It wasn't a Mister Beast Burger. I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. But uh, no, I, I just got five guys and, you know, mm. you, it, it, it's not like I got like a special burger, but it's something that I was just like, uh, I don't know if this is actually a true thing, but you ever get like the feeling like occasionally, and I know Aaron, this isn't really a thing for you, but you like, it's either like the iron deficiency or something where you just have like a real hankering for like a burger or like just like red meat. Like that happens to me very rarely now as I've been slowly edging myself towards uh uh and i realize me saying that i'm just like oh i shouldn't have just said that but but as i'm like slowly turning to to uh, vegetarianism but it's something that like i was like i haven't had like a burger in the longest time so 
Yes, I do. I do know the feeling as a current meat eater. Um, I, well, there are, you know, I don't like doing the dishes. That is not, there are some menial tasks I enjoy because they're like just repetitive and you kind of get in a zone and it's, you know, has like productive feelings on your brain or whatever. But doing the dishes is not one of them for me. I'm trying to think of what one of them is. I was going to say, I can't think of one. <laughs> There's like there's like some menial paperwork I have to do at work sometimes, and that's like if I just do like ten of those in a row, and just becomes like a almost a half-assed meditation, uh, uh, you know, experience or something because it's just so, you know, mindless, I guess. But yeah. All right. Well, if you want to know more about uh, the menial tasks we enjoy, make sure you follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast, whatever podcast app you use. Uh, make sure you get these as soon as they come out now on Thursday mornings, generally. Um, if you use the Apple podcast app, give us a five star rating and a review, please. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. And subscribe. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. But uh, it rules. There's a lot of good stuff there. It's a good month to join up. So join us. Uh, we'll do how we do things here on the Everything Elite show. And that is starting with Elite or Delete, where we talk about what our favorite, least favorite things from the show were. And I'd like to start with Nate. Nate, can you tell me what your favorite thing, your Elite pick of this show was? Yeah, easy one. Real layup. For me here, uh, the the whole show was basically the main event. Uh, there were other things that happened. I did watch them, um, but you know the 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 early reports going around were that the main event was going to be a blow away match, and the main event delivered. It delivered on on Space Force One's hype, saying it's it's too good. I won't even tell you what happens, but uh, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa went out had a kick ass death match in the main event. You know. Thunder Rosa have always said her matches are reliably good because she just always lays shit in, always looks like she's beating the shit out of her opponent, always looks like she's, you know, working hard and going from one thing to the next. Uh, and Britt Baker was fucking right there with her. They had crazy bumps, lots of blood, thumbtacks. Rebel took a table bump. Um, they had the, the, the Death Valley driver on the ladder is a six spot in any context in any match in any promotion that would be a wild spot uh and it looked crazy here um yeah it, it was the fucking blow away match uh certainly a deserving match to be the first women's main event on a card um and yeah both women came away looking like superstars from this uh you know back when they they booked all in i i think that uh there was a report that the Young Bucks basically wanted to do their their match against the world's cutest tag team again on that show. Uh, and, of course, you know, the, this promotion and the Young Bucks have, you know, uh, officially disavowed Joey Ryan and Candice, and Candice LeRae has gone off to NXT to retire. Uh, but, you know, this was this was the modern equivalent of that match where you just have two women, two women, blood pouring down their faces. Uh, and they just look like huge badasses because of it. Yeah, the brutality that happened with this was really special, and it really elevated both uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rose in this. And it's something where like Rebel, like ha picking her spots and like being like the excellent manager of like always like kind of like staging things in a way. Like she was like getting the chairs, like she had the crutch ready, 
to like buy time and draw attention and then her bump was great then it just was like a real like master class and a strong tv plunder match like this is something that you know through the years we've kind of seen like it have its ebbs and flows and AEW's willingness to just just like put the foot on the pedal and just gun it on these matches is something that I've really really enjoyed and it's something that after the uh uh the barbed wire exploding ring death match and how that fell flat after everything this felt like how lights out matches have been in this promotion this matches up with everything else that has been done before and that might have been like the most amount of tax i've seen come out of one bag if it wasn't like a straight up tax match you know like that was like a that was like an insane amount of tax that like were embedded like fully into Britt baker's shoulder for like the last like two minutes of the match it wasn't like one of those things where it's like oh okay there's like some 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 tax that it looks like you can tell like they landed on it or like where the point of contact was they were in the thumbtacks and then, yeah the death valley driver is something that i don't know if, i don't know if they're willing to put this in the opening but i feel like that that and then the face of like Britt baker with like one of a excellent like what i assume to be a blade job there like just having the absolute proverbial crimson mass like that should be in the opening because if anything this is something that like elevated brick baker through a defeat in this match and thunder rosa instantly with like the whole situation of AEW and NWA being kind of like a giant question mark has like staked her claim definitively in this division and in this promotion that this was set, this was satisfying. And I'm excited to see where all three of them go after this now. Like it, it, it was an unmitigated success across the board. And I think, and this is just like a personal taste thing. I think with the exception of uh, Omega versus Phoenix, this is like, neck and neck as the AEW match of the year in 2021 already yeah this morning on on light which we do on the everything elite patreon every wednesday morning i was concerned about all the hype for the match in part because i was thinking well in all the other like unsanctioned matches they've done there's been a pretty reasonable level of violence and i was skeptical that they would be willing to do that level of violence on television in their main event between two women I wasn't sure, you know, what will Turner think about this? What does Tony think about this? We know that Tony famously, uh, you know, didn't want to have intergender in this promotion because he hated seeing Jordan Grace get punched at uh, at All In. So, you know, what level of, of violence uh, was he going to permit between two women? And they went, like, above and beyond. Uh, basically, I mean, anything they've done purposefully on Dynamite, I mean, I can't think of... Uh, things that were this bloody. I mean, I know Brett got reasonably bloody before, but it was uh, on accident. But they they certainly met the level uh, of violence that they've done in, in previous matches, which is a feather in their cap. And, you know, if you want to separate yourself from uh, the WWE women's division, for example, uh, this is one way to do it. This is certainly nothing you will ever see in WWE. I think a lot about AJ Styles uh, talking about when he was in TNA, he was like, oh, yeah, we should do the six-sided ring because WWE does four-sided. They don't do unprotected chair shots, so we should. And like, okay, that's maybe dumb, but... Uh, maybe, know, maybe not the best two examples. <laughs> no, those are bad examples. But I like what he's saying. It's like, we have to be everything they're not because, of course, a big failure of TNA's was trying to be like WWE light, you know? So 
T, um, fuck, AEW, the women's division uh, that they have put together for right now can't outshine, and I don't watch NXT, but it can't outshine, I'm assuming, the NXT women's division in the ring a lot of the times. There is no Io Shirai in this promotion, but they can do much cooler things. They're much more willing to do stuff that hasn't been done before and let these people shine. Rosa must obviously be signed to the company in some way, right? There's no other way they're letting her beat Britt Baker, who has been the focus of the division since day one, unless they view her as having a long-term future uh, in the in the division. But whatever. It was great. Yeah, certainly going to be up on uh, Match of the Year list. It should be. It was awesome. Because uh, you said it twice there, I'm I'm curious. Can you define uh, what your standard of reasonableness reasonableness is for blood, Aaron? What? How did it? What did I say before? <laughs> you said, "Oh, she got reasonably bloody," or this. I knew this match was going to be reasonably bloody. Um, I mean, the biggest thing I'm trying to do is I have a very bad memory, so I'm trying to uh, set the standard or, you know, set the expectations low mm. of what might actually have happened in the past in case I'm not remembering it very well. She got pretty bloody with like the broken nose. Right. Yeah. But this was like, this was more bloody than that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. This was extremely bloody. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I, you know, the, it, I had more faith in space force one than you did. Cause, uh, I believe they said that Brit was basically unrecognizable by the end. So I like, Knowing that, um, I felt pretty confident. Like, oh, they're like if they went to that length in this match, let like there there is a a like a novelty element or a shock element where it's like seeing the women go that hard and bleed that much kind of puts the match over the top in its own way. Like, you know, th the work was all great and the layout of the match was all great, and you were engaged and excited from moment to moment, and they came up with a bunch of original ideas to do. Um, and you know, had a cool finish with the fucking driver through the table and everything, but that's all on top of like, oh, it you know, <laughs> if Britt Breaker bleeds all over the ring, this is going to be a memorable match, and for that reason alone, it will be good. Um, so I had more faith in, in that occurring, but I was like, it was, it is kind of shocking that TNT's like, yeah, do it, yeah, put, put that on. It's, it's like pretty remarkable. I, I mean, it's, it's something that as we are kind of slowly meandering to the fact that to my knowledge that there's going to be some sorts of rights negotiations in 2022 that the level of cooperation between AEW and Warner Media at this point like if you take if you put aside like how badly mangled the whole bleacher report thing is is something that like makes you think of huh like that they seem to be on the same page here because this is something that absolutely even if the uh, women's division in WCW when they had it was at a level to do this. this. This absolutely could not have happened on Nitro or on Thunder. But the thing that kind of struck me was this feud deserved this uh, stipulation. This feud deserved the blood. This feud deserved like this. Like it, it was something that like it, I came out of this match completely satisfied with this. Like they told a story across the several months that, and it and it had like a great blow off that got time and that they went for it and everything in this match and everything in this feud now feels so earned and that's why i think that everyone comes out of this uh in a lot stronger position than they did coming into it i don't think i've ever turned around on someone as much as i've turned around on Britt baker uh i thought she was very bad at all in i thought at the beginning of this promotion she was very bad 
Um, and she first turned, I mean, her, those first interviews where she was like turning heel, I thought were miserably bad. And she developed that character. But now, like, I don't know, this is like old school fan bullshit, but I'm like, ma'am. Uh, that blade job just makes me respect you. <laughs> like, I just think you're a fucking badass now. And you're just like, she is cool to me now yeah. at this point in a way she wasn't Aaron, absolutely not before. Aaron, w- would you pull a case low and just hand her $20 and walk away out of respect now? That's the well, question. No, I anticipate she has a lot more money than I do. Uh, <laughs> considering she does have two she... full-time lucrative jobs at the same yeah. goddamn but, but time. <laughs> you're not playing in my space. I just, I, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, but I, I, I would uh, give her a, a non-worker's handshake and tell her I respect her. Um, I'm sure that sure that means a lot to to her from some <laughs> random fucking guy. <laughs> well, I'm look. I'm sure she's been listening and has been hurt by uh, some of my criticisms of uh, her. You, you might have turned her off at the beginning of the show. I can I can only defend her so much. Brick, come back. Uh, this is a <laughs> Brick Baker respect zone at this point. Uh, she's a badass. That's all there is to it. We did. Uh, we talked on the Patreon about uh, potential like other women we'd like to see added. You know, one of those evergreen topics. Uh, when it comes to AEW, uh, but I think this does this opens the door for like your uh, your your Miyako Matsumoto's, oh, your Chigusa yeah. Nagayos, maybe your Hikari Noahs, and let's get the AEW Women's Deathmatch division going here. I'm I'm thinking of just becoming a deathmatch person. Like I feel like all yes. my favorite matches yes. of late have just let's been go deathmatches. So, but I think if I watch too many of them, it would probably probably get old, right? Uh, I, yeah, you can yeah. get desensitized to like the spectacle of it really quickly or by watching a lot of early 2000s IWA Mid-South like I did. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I've, fa- I've found that uh, the more violent the match is recently, I have enjoyed it much more. So might become a deathmatch guy thinking this about does, it. This does not seem especially new for you, I have to say. No? You think that's been a long-term thing for me? Kind of, uh, you know, certainly the violence part of it. Um, I like violence. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you say that a lot. You're all <laughs> often ra- railing against safety geeks and, and things like this. Oh yeah. I hate that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't think this is novel. Um, okay. It's just, but, uh, uh, it's yeah, I'm, getting worse maybe. Yeah. That might be it. You might be, might be, uh, 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 devolving. Is that an appropriate word? You're Everything sure. devolves. <laughs> this could also i mean does it open up the possibility of like you see this let's say you work in nxt or whatever right now and you're like oh you can literally do like whatever over there like <laughs> you can do what you want to do there uh so i mean maybe it like opens up the women's division hasn't been great to this point but maybe it opens up a thing i mean i think we're seeing it maybe with like uh, you know darby and moxley are always talking about oh it's like super free here you can like you can do the things you want to do. We see guys like Paul White and Christian coming over. It's like, oh, well, maybe this opens up the possibility of women making the jump uh, because maybe there's less of a role or less of a, an avenue for them in WWE, and uh, they see that they could have more freedom here. Yeah, I mean, I think that will always be appealing to wrestlers to have the freedom to do what they want, especially, you know, WWE seems to really confine and constrict what you're able to do uh, in basically every context. Uh, maybe... Maybe women wrestlers is, is the only exception just because the sheer amount of time that WWE has to fill and the comparative amount of time that AEW has for women. Like, I mean, granted, there are, you know, 60 women in the performance center or whatever, but, you know, between Raw, SmackDown, NXT, you're more likely as a woman to find 
some available time just to like be That's on true. the program at all in WWE. I do think, uh, I, I think it's great that uh, Adam Cole hasn't been in this company just because it's really given Britt Baker a chance to like shine and become a star as a solo performer. You know, going back to like all in, a lot of the crowd's knowledge of her was like, oh, that's Adam Cole's girlfriend. You know, like every fucking idiot wrestling crowd does. It's like, ah, oh, you know, that's Adam Cole's girlfriend. That's CM Punk's wife. Um, and, but, you know, and, and she didn't shy away from that. You know, she did the super kick, had a cool super kick in this match. Uh, you know, I think might have even done like Britt Baker baby at, at one point or another. Uh, but now it's like you don't, you don't think about it really at all. It's just like, no, like Britt Baker is one of the, you know, two things I'm most looking forward to seeing on this upcoming episode of Dynamite. And, you know, who gives a fuck who she's dating or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this very well could just be my bubble. Like I said, I don't watch NXT, but Britt Baker is just, and I've always hated Adam Cole, but Britt Baker is just like <laughs> way cooler than Adam Cole, right? In 2021? Well, yeah, she does She does not have a gamer cave. <laughs> she does not. Uh, when she finally gets rid of Adam Cole and uh, starts dating Ricky Starks, that'll really change mm. the game. Okay, um, Mike, your elite pick for this week. Yeah, so it's kind of a difficult week just because uh, there is one very obvious thing. But I'll talk about something that I really enjoyed, and that is how awesome Jake Cargill looked tonight. They kind of it, there was a little bit of heeing and hawing about the fact that she was back in the crowd at Revolution, and then they instantly like she has a mega superstar entrance she comes in and just like does not give anything to danny jordan the, the danny jordan was there to make a jay cargill's moves look awesome and then her finish looked great and then she immediately got into red velvet's face and it just was something that like i'm very happy that after like the last week where like she had this huge debut match and then there just really wasn't a follow-up for her because of revolution and the post-revolution show that it's continuing to look strong. She's someone that like, this was going to be a match that Aaron, we talked about like it, it, the, this is, this is a lot trickier than the uh, match with Shaq and Cody Rhodes and red velvet, which was obviously very, very scripted and planned out here. This is just like a pure squash match. And I think that that's like another like huge check in the box of like Jay Cargill's career is like, all right, we understand how to present her and she follows through her end of the bargain. And then also, Danny Jordan, she bumped like an absolute just crazy person in that match and came away. And I came away with that going like, all right, yeah, no, Jade Cargill eventually like is going to go on like this insane run and she's just going to completely destroy everyone and I can't wait. Yeah, that was, you know, I think the, the Shaq match was like a pretty good introduction for her just because it was the, hey, I'm in this really big featured match with the big outside celebrity thing. Uh, but I do, I just want to see her squash people have said it many times in, you know, three minutes for like four months. Just, you know, just Goldberger fully. Just have her German suplexing people under their heads and then kipping up and flexing. Um, I'm obsessed with uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah copying Jade Cargill's logo for their new logo. Uh, <laughs> that every time, every time I see, I just go, oh, you wish you were Jade Cargill. Um, so those are my thoughts on, uh, on, on Muto as GAC champion. Uh, yeah, uh, Jade Cargill, very cool. 
Yeah, she rules. This is another time. I know we say this a lot where it's like, man, I would love to have a crowd for this. I feel like the crowd would go nuts for Jade Cargill. And it would, you know, half of the Goldberg thing was just like how insane uh, the crowds were for him. I was one of them. I mean, I wasn't there, but I was at home. I was very excited. Uh, and I basically now I'm also at home, very excited for Jake Cargo. So yeah, this ruled. Uh, Danny doing the thing right before, like I'm not scared of you. You know, it's very funny. Uh, Danny's great, big Danny fan. Uh, okay, yeah, Jake Cargill is is very good. There isn't a lot left. This was a weird episode of Dynamite where I really was like, eh, this was okay. And then the main event happened. I was like, this fucking rocked. You know, it it erased uh, all the bad. So it's all you need is a good ending. But half the show turns on the ending. That's true. You got to just keep me enough so that I'm still like interested in the main event, right? And then if the main event delivers, it's good. Uh, I'll shout out, you know, I'm just enjoying the the John Moxley and Eddie Kingston uh, team, them goofing around. Eddie maybe was a little cheesy in, in his uh, part of the promo here, but I still just, I love their energy together. They're, they're riffing off each other. Um, they're just fun. I like them. And it was like, it was a match I was really looking forward to because I haven't, I don't think they've tag teamed together before, right? So uh, that was pretty cool. You got them in there with the Good Brothers, which also adds like a level of freshness. There's just, there's a lot of cool around uh, this team right now. Uh, yeah, very, very fun little promo. You know, when Moxley came into the company's whole thing is that he was kind of, you know, the the lone renegade guy. You know, he didn't have a stable like the Elite or the Nightmare Family or all these other factions, the Dark Order. Um and, you know, you can imagine them putting him with somebody and it just feels like a phony put on or whatever. Like Darby, they half-assed made a move to do and then it didn't really ever happen. Uh, but Eddie Kingston, like, feels like an appropriate, you know, uh, uh, right hand of John Moxie or whatever. Like, it, it feels genuine between those guys. They play off each other well. And they just seem... They just have, you know, the sort of, you know, John Mox is like the no bullshit personality or whatever, but he's also like a funny guy. And that just fits very well with Eddie. Uh, I popped big for all the specific references to the Good Brothers, uh, because if you listen to the Patreon, uh, I'm just a real big mark for Luke, the big Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows and <laughs> Machine Gun Carl Anderson's shit. It tickles me in a way that very little else does. Um, and so them talking about talking shop and media or whatever. Uh, just very amusing and fun to me. It's something where you get this chemistry there between the two of them that I find pretty remarkable in a way that it doesn't, they're able to kind of do a little bit of jokey humor. And that's something that, you know, the, the most dangerous thing that anyone has ever told in wrestling is that people think you're funny. And the idea of Eddie just doing like, reactions in the background to John Moxley talking about wanting to be in a hot tub and drinking Mai Tais cracked me up. And then, yeah, as Nate said, just the way that they very specifically and pointedly like pointed out things about the good brothers came off very, very like it, it came back, came off really organic. And that's something that sometimes in AEW, like when like these team ups happen, it kind of feels a little bit forced, like how that whole Darby thing with Moxley kind of felt like, all right, these are big baby faces in a way. And they, they had that particular vibe, but it, it just was something that they had probably the promo of the week last week. And now they have another one here and the, the whole storyline and how it's kind of tying into uh, with the overall bullet club, kind of drama part seven actually kind of comes off like 
a little bit more authentic because of like Eddie in there, like Eddie like getting so mad about getting his leg pulmonized that he's like screaming at Bryce Rengsberg to let him back in the ring to stand tall with Moxley because he wants to like give them the idea that you couldn't take me down. And it, it it's like a good vibe that I feel like that these two work on. And it's something that I find really interesting with the direction of Kenny Omega for the next few months before we go to double or nothing. And it does feel like that with like Eddie's ankle, like he's not going to be built up as an immediate challenger. But I think that that's a card in their hand that I really hope that they play. Cause I feel like that that could be a very interesting program if they decide to do so. I should have hit this earlier, but the listener elite uh, listener, I am the table elite space force one, not spoiling the main event match. Uh, which I don't I don't read uh, the spoilers. I try to avoid them, but I had seen some comments about uh, there not being a spoiler of the main event match. So, but I guess they did say that uh, Britt was unrecognizable. Yeah, as you I, I I told you what was in it. They basically said this was you know a crazy match. Uh, Britt was basically unrecognizable at the end. People gave it a standing ovation after the taping was over. I'm not going to spoil anything else. Basically, yeah. So okay, well. Sorry, that really, uh, Mike sent me a, a chat and it really confused me. I thought my phone was ringing and I was just all fucked up. I, I'm uh, trying to produce silently, Aaron. Yeah, I, I know, you... sorry, but I yeah, made but a big... it, it whooshes and it was right in the gap of Aaron <laughs> transitioning to something else. And it just... uh, th- th- that's why I tried to like slide it in there so he could yeah. see it out, out of the uh, corner of his eye and he can be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I guess well, I, don't, well... I don't have the chat up while we're doing the thing. So you got to go search for it. Well, between Mike personally. Trying to slide it in and slowly edging himself. He's really. Oh my God. We're going to start the not being mean to Mike fan club. <laughs> Y'all know I, I don't always have a good way of words and I, and I kind of stick. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I, I just stopped myself from. All right. Good. Let's add read. <laughs> okay. But you know what Mike is good at sometimes? betting on sports folks he's done pretty well over at uh, our friends my bookie uh they want you to know that march is here the madness has officially begun uh, it's time for you to shoot your shot and score big with my bookie that's right there's going to be 63 tournament games they also have a bracket contest a chance at 10 grand in cash only costs you a dollar to enter uh so it doesn't matter if you want to do the brackets you want to just bet on the total you know the overall winner of the tournament uh, you're looking for player or game props. They've got it. All you got to do is sign up at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code ELITE to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. But make sure you use our promo code so they know that we're the ones that got you to sign up. That's very helpful to us. The promo code is ELITE uh, to claim your first deposit bonus. There's tons of other stuff to bet on, too. I personally will be uh, continuing to pretend the NCAA tournament is not occurring uh, this year, I understand that it has actually been canceled, but apparently, you know, in Kentucky, they have um, historic horse racing you can bet on. You can, like, go to a place and bet on horse races that have already happened uh, because <laughs> we don't have sports betting here, but you can do that somehow. Wait, how, I, uh, hold up. Yeah, uh, hold on. Let, let me finish <laughs> this bit first. Uh, so that's what I assume is actually going on with this quote-unquote tournament. It's actually old basketball games they're letting you bet on, but go wild. Promo code ELITE, mybookie.ag. Uh, so, right. yeah, are the results of these old races not public? Yeah, and the uh, fact that uh, the Kentucky Derby happens in Louisville, Kentucky, and you can yeah. bet at that there. Uh, what the fuck? 
Yeah, just well, what you the can't, fuck? You can bet on horse racing um, in Kentucky, like live horse racing. I guess okay. you can also bet on stuff at other tracks. But this is something different where it's like a slot machine. Uh, but something okay. about it, I don't really fucking understand it, but something about it is based on the results of like old horse races. Uh, okay, okay. I, I totally understand what you're saying. Florida used to have this. It was something that the slot machines, because bingo was legal. So technically they would Ew. to do like a slot machine and have like a slot machine and how they worked it was that it was basically programmed to do like a quick bingo game and that resulted in what the oh, reels landed okay. on. So I guess maybe okay. the RNG for the... Uh, slot machines in kentucky are based off of that and is going to like a database and using that as like justification there and like saying like, okay you like that well, okay the, uh so they well they yeah they did this i don't really understand the whole thing because years ago i think I they think decided it, yeah you could have some sort of slots like at places where you could bet on horse racing right to try to like get around that because we can't uh it's been very hard trying to legalize sports betting here or any sort of gambling outside of that so anyway the supreme court of kentucky said you can't do this historical horse racing anymore. So the legislature in like days passed a bill making it legal <laughs> like I, immediately. I, I, I mean, like it's uh. something like with like sports betting that like Florida, of course, like they finally shut down the dog tracks. And like that was a big Thank thing. Be- yeah, like it, it, it's something that like completely anachronistic and just like I got dragged to one as a kid and it was one of the more depressing experiences of my life. Very but, gross. It, it, it's something that like the, the the big like dog track lobbying wasn't really like doing it for the greyhounds they were doing it because that they w- they had poker rooms there because poker has been sure. legalized in florida for a long time and that's where they actually made their money so like yeah eventually they decided okay we'll transfer all of your track licenses to poker room thing and then became a big thing because a lot of the other gaming in the state of florida is done by the the native american tribes and like the seminole nation in particular like the seminole nation now owns the hard rock like because of the casinos so it became its own it's all its own to do much like that so welcome to our gambling corner so i have uh, on the subject of old horse races i have something that's uh, a little more germane to wrestling uh which is of course that cyber agent the uh japanese media conglomerate that owns Cyber fight, meaning pro wrestling Noah and DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro and everything. Uh, they have a uh, horse racing, of course, one of the public sports in Japan that they can bet on. Uh, but they have a they they've developed a multimedia uh, uh, franchise related to horse racing, which of course uh, means that the horses are all pretty girls who sing and dance. <laughs> Uh, it's called Uma Musume or something like that. I was going to ask if there was a horse idol group, but I guess you already answered that. Yeah, question. no, they're they're all all the horse all the horse girls are idols. Uh, so if you win the big race, then you then you go on stage and you do a sing and a dance before you get your trophy. Um, but yeah, they've all the horses are also based off real life horses, and they <laughs> they just have the names of old classic great racehorses or whatever so yeah. someone's secretariat uh, the leader has to be secretariat right I, I i i'm not sure that secretariat is one uh but I, I don't know there's one called gold ship or something uh that's just the meme one uh but they've also determined that the plots and the results of the big important races are also based on real life races so you can spoil yourself by looking ahead and seeing which horses win which big races and shit <laughs> Uh, so when you said that you can bet on old horse races, I'm like, well, that's kind of what you're doing in the horse girls idol racing game when you, you know, pull from the loot box to try and get the valuable horse. 
What's did, the... did, oh, I, I have one more horse thing before we move on that I just I, remember. I, I, I got let's, one just, too. let's just do this for the rest of the show. <laughs> so, so, so before Double or Nothing 2019, uh, it was myself, my brother, and then we met up with uh, Brett and Brian, friends of the show from Street Fight. And Drew and I found fake horse racing where they basically have little robots that go around a track and you like throw bets on. And it was one of the funniest things in the world. Was this? And it, it was not like at the good casinos, by the way. This is like at Fremont Street, at the tail end of Fremont Street, like when you're just really almost getting into towny casinos there. But Drew and I sat there for like 30 minutes playing like this horse casino, this fake horse uh, thing where you were betting on basically motorized horses going around. Thing it was like a whole like I think it was made by Konami of all things, and it just was a very Make tremendous thing. Pachinko yeah. overlords Konami. Exactly, exactly. I would love to play some pachinko, by the way. This is my horse story. Um, SB, wife of the show, uh, used to work at a horse magazine. Obviously, we lived in Lexington, which is the horse racing capital of the world. She worked at a horse racing magazine. And uh, I was trying to look up because I couldn't remember what horse it was. But Barbaro, you guys remember Barbaro? Oh, yeah. Um, They had to put him down, right? Yeah, he won the Derby. Uh, then he broke his leg during the Preakness, and uh, yeah, was ultimately. It was the Belmont. He broke it because he won the Preakness, and he was going for the Triple Crown, and then broke his leg. Then I thought no, he, he broke his leg in the Preakness. Okay, never mind for sure. Um, I was a horse person at one point, but anyway, so this woman calls and she says that every night since Barbara died, she turned off all the lights and lit candles all over her house and sat in the bathtub. And like seanced with Barbaro, like trying to speak to Barbaro uh, from beyond the grave. That rules. That, <laughs> that's great. That, like living her truth, communing with a dead horse seances. I love it. Sure. She just yeah. fucking loved Barbaro, I guess. Another horse thing. Um, there is, I used to drive by uh, a secretariat lane, like in the, in the Chicago suburbs. It was sure. like, you know, uh, uh, residential development, it's like, I don't know. The horse doesn't know you named a street after it. <laughs> no, I mean, it doesn't really know any. I'm, well, horse people will tell you, like, horses know that they win races and shit like that. I but. mean, I can understand a horse Dude. getting a bunch of treats and, you know, attention or whatever and being like, oh, I, I did good. Yes. Um, but that, do we that think that? But do we think that horses have the cognitive function to say like it was for that past act though? Like, like I, I mean, maybe uh, I'm I mean, underestimating the horse and their cognitive ability because I think like the horse, be like, oh, cool, I now have this giant heavy thing of flowers on me, and this guy won't get off my back. <laughs> I, I think I feel like horses probably understand the idea of a race because that seems like a pretty primitive, primal kind of thing. Like, do you think horses and, understand these... races? I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think if you have five horses in the wild, and they're running around, there's probably a a a, a conception of hey, who can run faster than who? That makes sense to me. Well, I mean, like, animals that's pretty primal. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, primal, but that's like urge. a that's like a competition. But comparing that to like the Kentucky Derby, man, that's like comparing like the first person to actually create fl- fire to like an, a flamethrower. Like I was, I was no, really excited I, I about where this much... analogy was going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're basically the same thing, almost exactly the same. Uh, anyway, the horse doesn't know that you named a street after it because it oh, doesn't sure name streets. Also, the horse is dead. Um, <laughs> just seems super insane to me to name a street after a dead animal. 
I like, loved. It's like, do you you love the you love a horse? I don't. It's it's a horse. I don't. It's not your horse. It's not, it's a famous horse. Someone else's <laughs> yeah. someone else's horse. I loved that for years. I don't know if he still does this, but Tony Kornheiser would claim that Secretariat was the greatest athlete in the history of sports. <laughs> and I just that's pretty. He good does call. have a point. He does have <laughs> Great a good point, though. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> I mean, I, Secretariat I would, was I would insanely because uh, Secretariat would get its ass whooped right. in the decathlon. <laughs> well, fair like, point. Se- Let me Secret- see Secretariat throw a javelin. Yeah, what that's about what I'm the decathlon? Okay, I, uh, we, the show's off. over. We're done with fuck the show. Off. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving uh, the show. Just All right, well, we're ending the podcast boo. now. Just boo. <laughs> well, uh, Nate and Mike might want to delete that joke, but they're going to have to choose other things to delete. So, Nate. What was okay. your least favorite thing this week? What was what do you want to delete from the show? Well, I spoiled this on Twitter. Uh, have complained about this multiple times in the past. I think, um, like eighty percent of the stories in this promotion are a guy about to leave his stable, betraying his stable, leaving his stable, maybe joining another stable. It's all that's all that's all the stories are. There's no other stories on this episode alone. You had who do we have? We had the pinnacle. You know, MJF following up on him betraying the inner circle and starting the pinnacle. That was an annoying one. Miro and Kip Sabian are beginning the road to them breaking up as a tag team. Um, Dark Order has Hangman, will they or won't they, doing that again. Team Taz. Meanwhile, I'm saving the big one for last. Oh, sorry, bud. The, uh, The Elite. The Young Bucks, again, are on the outs with the Elite and the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. And it's, uh, oh, are they going to break up with them? They didn't do the too sweet with them. Going around in circles on that. Uh, Team Taz, the hot stable in the company, the one everyone loves. These stables have been together for like a year at most. Uh, and it's just as soon as one story ends, it's like, okay, who can we turn on who? Who can, who can turn and break away from this stable? Now we have Brian Cage. Deciding he respects Sting and there's tension in Team Taz uh, and everybody's mad at him now. Um, and yeah, I would just like to see, like, let's have some continuity. Let's have some stables that just stay together and, like, make a long-lasting imprint in the history of the company. And let's not just hotshot leaving and joining and staying and, and leaving and one fucking thing after another. There's even There's more. I, I will probably think of as the show goes on. I'll interrupt you guys to say what they are. But, you know, we did we just seen it with the Elite so many times. Oh, fucking QT Marshall, the Nightmare Family. Like, we have to do this story with QT also. It, uh, I, you know, just need a greater variety of stories with our, our everyone, with everyone on the show. Yeah, and it, it's something that... You, you know, like, I do like the idea that things should be fluid, that, like, you shouldn't necessarily have, like, one set group from begin to finish. But, like, having all this at once is just, it muddles. Like, it muddles the idea that, and also for, like, the the uh, team FTW thing, that requires people to have watched at least one of the two-hour shows that they had over the last 40 hours beforehand and know that there's discord going on between Ricky Starks and uh, Brian Cage over their match they had on Dark. So, like, it, it's not effective when you have so much of this happening at once. At the same time, it's also not as effective if you just, like, build things up and it's not necessarily on something where the vast majority of your viewership is watching. So, it, it, it's something that, and maybe this is just me being a little bit too much on my bullshit here, but 
I would like the idea, and they haven't really done this other than like SEU like claiming if they lose, they're never going to fight again. Do like a disbands match, like do like okay, like this whole like Sting and Darby and FTW thing since it seems to be continuing when it felt like it had a pretty good conclusion at Revolution. Like have it that's like all right, so if this ha- if Team FTW loses, then Taz gets his manager's license revoked, and they must all. And, and they lose their affiliation and team FTW is no more. Like, don't just have like, Oh, suddenly Brian Cage decides he respects Sting. Don't have QT Marshall just after like weeks of him, just kind of being a jerk off, just like coming up late when Cody was hurt, like have some more variety to it and some fashions here, because it's just, you have so much of the same thing and then he loses, it loses all of its impact at, at that point. Yeah, I would. The dragon gate tool of doing that, is great where you have it, it's an easy way to give you know a, a big match big stakes without having it be for a title and also involving like 10 people instead of two people those those sort of steps uh the problem is there's not enough continuity in this promotion by a long shot for those steps to mean anything like right now team taz versus whoever um, nightmare family unit disbands match would be like Okay, yeah, you know, I guess there's some big stakes here because, you know, Cody's a main event guy over here and Team Taz has been pushed. But it's like all these stables are a year old. So just can we establish these things, have some continuity so they're meaningful before we start shaking them all up? Yeah, and I definitely didn't need a new stable uh, with, with MJF and friends. Um, and it, I don't know. I mean, it's not by delete, but I just hated that whole fucking segment. So, <sighs> well, let's yeah, talk I, about it because it's my delete. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, It'd that's a... that's your delete, Mike. Well, tear it up, buddy. Oh, I thought David had something else he was going to add in before we moved on. I'm going to defend it, so just go. <laughs> okay. It, it's something where like they mirrored the Pinnacles formation completely mirrored the inner circle as much that it loses its effect. It loses because, like, it's all right being reflective. I think that that's a smart thing, like, the way that they kind of did the reveal and just, like, the idea that MJF spent the last few months, like, playing possum, basically, and then played his trump card last week. But it's something that it lost its effect, and then you, you have, at least in this group, three people or three wrestlers that, for the most part, have underwhelmed in my opinion, in their promotion, and we're not really given enough of a reason to now care about them being this big, bad stable with it. And then MJF's, like, all of his promos, when when it's under two minutes, they're usually very solid, but the longer that, that he goes on the microphone, the, more, the less it loses its effect to, until the end. Like, I felt like the, the comment he made about Chris Jericho at the end was this, but it was something that, like, with how the show was going in this whole first hour, like, you had... A Cody versus Penta, which was a bad roll-up finish. You you had Bucks and Callis, and then very quickly you had Jade and Cargill, and you, you had Jade Cargill and Danny Jordan. But then you had like the, this promo here that kind of kind of like just grown things to a halt. That I felt like in a way that momentum and when Dynamite really feels like it's flowing, especially these tape Dynamites, the less that they have these talking segments, the less that they kind of grind to a halt and I felt like having 10 minutes basically saying hey this is why we're all together and basically copycatting what Jericho did on week two of Dynamite with the Inner Circle 
just kind of like if this is supposed to be this big unit and then going after the locker rooms like this is ours now and putting it on there like i don't get like what the emotional effect this is supposed to be for the viewer and to me i feel like that that made this this segment especially after like the uh, breakup and the split that happened last week i feel like it makes the the i feel like the follow-up kind of like lessens how this unit's supposed to be portrayed yeah no i like that it mirrored the inner circles little introductory um angle segment or whatever that they did on the show uh and i i thought that was a good way to sort of differentiate it from the inner circle because mjf specifically shouted out you know i did your little comedy bullshit and all your little sketches and stuff which is stuff that we've complained about uh, and i thought that was a good way to distinguish this group from that group that they're not going to be doing wacky comedy segments or whatever it's like pretty much one two three four five five guys that are like supposed to be straight ahead mean jerks or whatever um so you know i i get not being high on the guys because you know of the three of us i think wardlow is maybe the one guy that we're all actually high on and the other ones are like you know various levels of tolerable um but they've been established and protected pretty well in the company like ftr was very protected and tag team champions and had you know other people will say like the second best tag team of the year tag team match of the year in this promotion um you know mjf uh been pushed pretty much as a star from the outset so you know your mileage mileage will vary on how much you enjoy it mgf talking to camera promo i thought this was one of his better ones mostly because he wasn't being too cute or twee about it he was just like angry and that's what fdr has excelled at also is like don't you know, you don't need to get complex or talk around things. Just like stare down the camera and yell at it. And it kind of works for him. So if they go in that direction with it, I think it's probably an improvement for all the guys involved. And again, if it's all to set up the big Wardlow star turn, then that's the best outcome. Yeah. I hear what you're saying for sure. I just, I mean, I don't like, I think MJF is, is bad at, at doing these long promos. I just think they're not good. They're, they don't entertain me in any way. Uh, whoever said in the chat, uh, he's unstoppable on the mic, all right? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Uh, completely unstoppable. Um, but also, it's like the whole gimmick is supposed to be, they're trying to do this four horsemen thing where they're like in suits. But everybody but Wardlow, I mean, MJF looks fine. Everybody else looks shitty. It's like, no, you look fucking dumb. Like, I know that you are just dying to be, uh, you know, in the 80s. You you all feel like you were you were born past your time but you're missing the point of what they were actually doing and you got Tully Blanchard right there to tell you to, to smarten you up on on what the point was I mean you're supposed to look like you're literally uh, MJF's line that you're better than everyone else and you know it that you got tons of money and you got all the women and blah 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 and other than Wardlow they just don't really put that across so I, I think that's a real downfall for this group yeah, I mean, FTR, you can believe they, they just don't want to wear a suit at any time. Like, oh, I want to wear my, you know, white T-shirt or whatever. Now, do they look worse than Evolution's original entrance movie vignette where they're all walking to camera in <laughs> very large oversized suits? Uh, that's differing levels, right? That that looked very bad, but it was also very funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I, but it's I, hard to like take myself back in time and be like, oh, did right. I think they looked cool in 2000 whatever? I don't know. 
I watched uh, uh, I watched the whole nine yards over the last couple of days. Sure, <laughs> Matthew Perry's suits in that were fucking outrageous. They were he was, he was they were draped off him. It's like they were melting off his body. These giant suits. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's my thing. It's like I appreciate on some level because I like a lot of the same shit that these guys like. Of like wanting to pay tribute to like some of this stuff from before, but like put your own spin on it, you know, like do your own thing. And you're right, Nathan, like FTR should not be two guys in suits. Like that doesn't make any sense for their characters. Or So why not just do your own thing? And it's something where like this unit is all really built around the idea that Tully Blanchard like mentored Sean Spears and mentored FTR. Like there's your cognitive tissue right there. They could have very easily been like, oh, Tolly is someone that I have consulted with my entire career from MJF. And then you would have like a good line of cognitive tissue there that just doesn't really exist. Yeah. I mean, as I guess we said before, it's nice to have all these people in one unit. So I don't have to think about them. And even when they did the step off the, the jet thing, they zoomed in on Wardlow at the end. So like, I'm, have some hope that this is all going to be about making Wardlow into a star, and I'm on board for that. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be Batista turning on Evolution. It's Wardlow turning on Pinnacle. I think Pinnacle is a pretty good name. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been I'm, worse. I'm, I'm sure. optimistic about it. Here's my delete. It's St. Patrick's Day, folks. Sorry, let, let, me, let me amend that. God damn it, Nate. I'm optimistic about it, except that it's going to be another fucking guy betraying his stable storyline. <laughs> yes. So that's uh, going to be annoying. It's like, oh, yeah, now Wardlow's breaking up Pinnacle. Who could have fucking thunk it? But if he does thumbs down, it's okay. Uh, I'm deleting St. Patrick's Day. It's the worst and dumbest holiday. Uh, I hate everything about it. Um, I don't have anything nice to say about the Irish. <laughs> and I don't have anything nice to say about St. Patrick's Day. Get your fucking green beer and get the fuck out of here. Get green is a, an objectively awful color. Don't wear it. It's oh. bad. Um, it's just like the dumbest excuse for a holiday from the dumbest people on the planet. <laughs> and I fucking hate it. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> not, on, sh- not on, sure where that came from. <laughs> I, I've always hated St. Patrick's Day. It's it's typified by fucking Joe Biden getting on TV or whatever today and being like, well, the Irish people know about racism because yeah. we're Irish. No, he, he's a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, that's yeah. my that's my take on St. Patrick's Day. OK. Fair. Well, let's keep let's keep it moving. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have any comment to offer to that, or to be honest. It's... Yeah, go. All right, listener, okay. delete. Uh, Rebel not blading. Uh, this is from uh, <laughs> WFI. Rebel not blading, lack of commitment as an assistant. I have to agree. I, I said when the match started uh, in a chat or whatever, the, I just need Rebel to take a big bump, and she took a big bump, and she took it uh, bigger than like Chris Jericho took his big off-the-apron bumps uh so rebel did enough for me personally rebel was great here she ruled loved her jacket in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking "Ah, maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club 
Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network we saw word low at all uh getting off a private jet earlier in the day we went right into pentagon versus cody and cody uh, I also I forget who said this, but won the match in the most Cody ass way uh, by roll up. Can't believe we didn't delete this. This uh, yeah, we should have. This was definitely the worst individual thing on the show. My delete was a collective pattern with the promotion that's been going back months. Uh, but I said in the show last week, like Cody should not be a guy who's getting, uh, you know, flash trap pins on people to show that he's the the savvier wrestler, and that's how he like he should be the baby face who like beats guys with his moves when you're doing a storyline about how he's got a torn shoulder or whatever. And he sits out half the pay-per-view match because they have to do a, a siesta for Cody's shoulder uh, and make that the big drama of the match. Uh, and then he comes in here and like, you can like, that's the perfect reason to have Pentagon do his big arm breaker spot, which was super fucking over in Lucha underground and made the guy a star basically. That's and needs a win in this promotion, needs a push in this promotion. Uh, and they can't give him that because Cody has to do this stupid roll up. Uh, hated it, made me mad. Uh, uh, almost made me mad through a lot of the rest of the show. <laughs> I will say, you know, something I said a while ago about Okada was 
you know, aces sometimes have to win matches that they shouldn't win. Like if you're the ace of the promotion, there are sometimes when you should lose a match and you should put a guy over and drop the belt or whatever and do a different story. Uh, but what makes a guy an ace is even losing the, or even winning those matches. It's like Okada beating Naito is like, no, God is the, is the ace. Like John Cena is the ace because he wins matches that he should lose, he, he, you know, in storyline or as a, as a exercise in booking or whatever. So, you know, I guess that's the thing with Cody is he's an ace or something, but I don't know. He's, he's lost other matches to people. You can fucking put over Pentagon. And it's something where like, the presentation and the quick build-up to this with Alex Alberhantes like being like living his truth, like being a like I think that now he can maybe be a manager and be translating for for uh Death Triangle if they ever really wanted to, and I feel like that would come off like really cool. But it, it's something where like this was a match that very much I felt- really hate that idea. I have to <laughs> I hate that. Is the QVC guy like speaking for Pac is the worst thing I've ever oh, heard. I, I, I'm referring to more about Lucha Brothers, like because like their hesitance there uh, and the way he's, that he's got such QVC television pitch man energy. He just he's it, so uncool. You have it, to give it him works though. Tone. No, it doesn't. I hate it. I, I, I think it rocks, but I uh, think it kill it would kill them. I mean, I think that as soon as the bell rang, it's still going to be Pentagon and Phoenix. I don't think that that's going to completely change the, the, their whole entire trajectory. I think that's a cute wrinkle for them to have. But it, it, it's something where, like, like what could have been a delete for me is having roll-ups that aren't, like, good flash pins. They're just like, oh, LOL, Cody wins, or Mox gets the win out of nowhere, and then immediately doing beatdowns. Like, it, it kind of became a trend here, and it kind of... You know, it undercuts a lot of things on the show. Also, it makes Mike mad because I always say roll-ups are bad. So when there's actually a bad one, Mike's like, God damn it. Aaron's going to celebrate this. I, I mean, it, it, there's a difference here. And I'm able to recognize that you, you just haven't seen a lot of good ones. And instead, you see Cody going That's because there aren't any good ones. That's why I haven't seen many good ones. I can't ones. believe you ha- you're speaking <laughs> ill of both the Itabashi and the backslide from heaven. I am just offended. I have to. Uh, yeah, there was an attack afterward. Uh, Dustin Rhodes of the Gun Club made the save. Pendo's making his way back up the tunnel. Cross pass with QT. The others are wondering where QT was. Whose side is he on? Uh, Alex Barvez with the Young Bucks. Mass talking about Phoenix beating each of them in singles matches, but that doesn't matter because they're the tag champs. Don Callis interrupts, tries to give them a T-shirt for Papa Buck that has the uh, Gabe XT do not slap leg while kicking sign. Hey, uh, I'm, I was drinking a water and taking my time. Um, like to do the QT thing, can't you just like make him a heel in the group for a while first and like spread out some of these stable dissolution betrayal storylines? Like just have him be kind of the dick in the tag team for like a while instead of going right to, oh, he's, you know, he's letting the rest of his stable down just you know have him be an asshole but in in the same unit that's fine um also it's like it's qt marshall who gives a fuck like there you have you're doing this story in five other places it's not like you need something to be happening with qt marshall you can do it anytime right i mean i i I, you know it's clear that qt is like a a cody guy and they want to give him something to do which is like that's fine. I'm I'm down to see what they can get out of QT and what they can make work with them. And he, you know, he's good as a heel on the vlogs. And I assume that's why they think they want to turn him a heel. But just it, you know, 
at the wrong pace and at the wrong time when you're doing it with 10 other people. Uh, the leg slapping thing, they're trying to make too much hay of the leg slapping thing. They, they've done like three different bits on BTE about the leg slapping thing. They did a bit on the pay-per-view about the leg slapping thing. They're doing a, a t-shirt about the leg slapping thing. I I don't know. my just The WWE stupid non-controversy things don't hit the timeline for the same way for me anymore that you can make this much of a big deal about the leg slapping thing. It's like I, nobody cares what's going on over there. So, you know, I don't need it, I guess. Yes, I also don't care. Um, Callis admits he was faking the eye thing, but he wanted them to kick him to show more of the old young bucks. He says there's nothing elite about them anymore. Kenny doesn't recognize them uh, for the same reason. You're just another tag team with fancy tights living off your name. So when you look in the mirror at night, do you see the same Nick and Matt I saw in New Japan? Uh, as many people have commented, they're the fucking tag team champions. What's what's the point of this? Also, in New Japan, their thing was that they would always eat shit at the, at the end of all their feuds. <laughs> and they were not going out and kicking ass all the time. They were like the obnoxious little juniors running around and and stealing a belt for a little run and then losing it back at the end of the tour. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to care about the whole show now, I guess. The fucking eye thing is like they did all that. And now it's, oh, yeah, I was faking that. It's like, okay, so you didn't have an idea for it in the first place. And you were going to have Don fake the eye thing. And then everybody kind of forgot about it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that happened. Uh, it was nothing. I don't know. Half-assed. Yeah, it sucks. Um. Jade Cargo beat Danny Jordan with the jaded is what they're calling this move. Ooh, she should have Aerosmith's jaded as her entrance theme. That's a great call, Nate. Great late era Aerosmith song. Yeah. I remember the, the music video played on VH1 like nonstop for about a good eight months. Was that the Alicia Silverstone uh, Liv Tyler one? <sighs> no, I think sure. that was before that. This was after. I was, was going to, well, see, Nate, I was going to belt it out, but it's like, that's a fucking high song. I would have yeah. embarrassed myself had I tried to do it. Nate, really, you like, you stepped it down a few octaves there yeah, smartly. Well, uh, you could have belted it out, no doubt about it. I've heard Nate no, say it. I, I can't get up to that register. <laughs> uh, afterwards, Jade stepped to Red Velvet Ringside, who tried to come at her, but they were both held back. Sorry, folks, can't believe Bryce Ribsburg can hold back Jade Cargo. Not happening. They're gonna. They need more manpower. She should eat him. <laughs> she should eat Bryce <laughs> Rimsburg. Yes, I agree. Uh, they did the pinnacle segment. Yeah, uh, next, which we've already discussed, and we had Matt Hardy, Private Party, Butcher and the Blade uh, versus Jurassic Express and Bear Country. Matt Hardy pinned Marco Stunt with the twist of fate after Private Party hit the gin and juice. He demanded to be tagged in after the match. Jurassic Express and Bear Country were not happy with each other. Uh, Bear Country yeeting Marco Stunt was really rad. That was like my favorite part of this match. The rest of it was just fine. All right, we had uh, Moxnetti backstage. We talked about uh, this already. Then Dasha was backstage with Christian Cage, who said he's the workhorse. And for anyone worried, I'm coming in to take your spot. The only spot I'm interested in is Kenny's. As champ, you're on... B borrowed time <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's very funny to be like i'm not here to take anybody's spot except the very top spot in the company i actually want that one yeah uh now he did say he's gonna need to get some wins and build up his his um resume a little bit but he came here to cement his legacy he looks really young he looks like he, he looks makes, good he, he makes edge look 
like a zombie walking the earth comparatively because edge looks like actual death christian looks like a young man (laughs) christian looks like a dad edge looks like a great granddad Kara is uh, litigating the roll-up argument in the chat, and uh, she's right, except Kara. I've watched quite a bit more wrestling than our pal Nimi Moo! (laughs) (laughs) Just an an excuse for me to say Nimi Moo. Uh, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston versus the Good Brothers. The Good Brothers attacked Eddie before the bell. Mox, I'm not sure why they were coming out separately. They're a team. They should come out together. Uh, Mox pinned Carl Anderson. With the inside cradle. After the match, the Good Brothers attacked Mox. Kenny came out with Don Callis and a chair. He sat down in the chair. Kingston was kind of able to sneak past everybody and knock Kenny out of the chair, uh, but he got beaten down by everybody. The Bucks came out, but whose side are they on? Uh, and they refused to do the famous hand sign. Omega pushes Matt Jackson. They, Notor- they was it notorious hand sign? Notorious hand sign? I don't know. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was famous. Might be famous. Who knows at this point? Uh, Tony is with Sting and Darby. Uh, Darby says he's mad that he's only defended the TNT title three times. Me too, Darbs. Like, uh, I agree. I'm glad Darby's a listener of the show. Uh, and he says now that everything's done with Team Taz, he wants to defend the title week in and week out. He wants to start by paying tribute to the greatest TNT champion of all time. So he makes an open challenge to the Dark Order. Lance Archer interrupts. He calls Darby Indy-rific. It says, you like coffin so much, I'll put you in a coffin. Uh, and then uh, Jake Roberts goes for the AB joke of the week by saying something about Darby putting on a hot dog bun because he's a weenie man. He also weenie boy, he, he said something about turning something sideways and sticking it up somebody's candy ass, but it wasn't clear what he was talking about exactly. It was not. It was not. Just... Uh... Lance Archer is kind of a, a, a unique case. He's kind of like maybe a little Sid Vicious energy, Psycho Sid, because he like says everything really uh, uh, passionately and feels sincere and genuine and has good pro wrestling energy for it. Uh, but it just it, it doesn't feel like he has great ideas for what he's going to say. Uh, so that's a funny tension. On the subject of Darby listening to the show, we were talking about Rick Rubin today, and if you watch his AEW, um, I just want to say, Rick Rubin, if you're listening and you want to you want to signal that to us without uh, giving blowing up your spot, follow Nimi Moo on Twitter, and that will be the sign. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Rick Rubin. I couldn't agree more. All right, uh, Taz also wasn't happy. He comes out. Uh, Brian Cage does not want Taz speaking for him. He's mad at Sting, but wait a second, he's not mad at Sting. He actually respects him. Uh, Ricky Starks is wrong. You're still the icon. The rest of Team Taz is mad. A lot of people were mad on this show. Scorpio <laughs> Sky has a pretty tape. I just be happy. You know, I go by the ice ribbon uh, slogan, be happy with pro wrestling. And uh, there was not a lot of happiness with pro wrestling <laughs> on this show. Scorpio Sky got a pre-tape. Uh, he says he's not wanted here. They want people like Cody. He thought he was the exception of nice guys finishing last, but he learned that he's not. Uh, he's finally got his chance when he won the ladder match, but that was just a moment for Darby. And he's mad because he's a wrestling savant, another mad person on this show. Yeah, this was whatever. Uh, Phoenix versus Angelico. And Phoenix wins with the Fire Thunder Driver so that they could do 
I'm not sure if it's two weeks in a row, but two shows reg- in recent memory where the Fire Thunder Driver won two matches on the show. It's a very cool move. It is cool. It's cool as shit. It's a great most, name. Yeah, most powerful move in all of wrestling, and you know, I bet it makes Onita happy. Alex Marvez. Uh, Alex is busy on these taped shows. My man is running around all over on these taped shows. He was all over Elevation, too. Like, he is now, That's like, true. their go-to guy here. And it's like, hey, Alex Marvez here, and I'm here with the Young Bucks. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Kermit the Frog there. <laughs> I was just... He is, he's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. He seems fine to me. I was uh, I was amused. Uh, Lanza did a tweet the other day, that I was like, some people are way too hard on Sean Spears. Like, he's taking up all this time or something. Like, he's a perfectly good hand for where he is on the card or whatever. I was like, didn't you used to call him stealing money, Alex Marvez? Like, <laughs> this guy's totally inoffensive. Like, his job is not that important. Uh, no problems with Alex Marvez. He's fine. Uh, he catches up with Miro, who's doing pull-ups. Um, Miro, not clear why he would want to do a rematch with uh, Chuck and Orange Cassidy. He says he knows Chuck is trying to sweeten the deal with that lifetime butlership. <laughs> uh, but he's moved on, which it's like... AEW could use more of people moving on from feuds, uh, but they they shan't do that. <laughs> Kip Sabian says he hasn't moved on. Kip is like uh, Tony. He's like the stand-in for Tony, right? Of like, no, actually, sorry, I haven't moved on from this. Uh, they ruined my wedding. And also, Miro, you hurt my wife. So like, what the fuck? I want to team with you again because you hurt my wife. And Miro says, hey, the worst thing that can happen to your career is having your wife at ringside. Which, you know, stiff shots from Miro. Says all he wants to be is a world champion. He doesn't really care about this. Uh, Kip, I love this. Kip says, that's what I want too. For you to be world champion. <laughs> like, yeah, what is, what he's are you a good he's, why, Kip Sabian doesn't want to be world champion. Kip, Sabian's, <laughs> Kip Sabian has maxed out by marrying Penelope Ford. He has done that's above true. and beyond what he needed to do in this life. So if his buddy can be world champion too and he can, you know, celebrate afterward, he's doing just fine. This somehow apparently meant that they'd accept it, and so the tag match is going to happen. So there you go. Yeah, well, again, you know, more more discord in the unit, in the gamer unit. Uh, Miro, you know, Miro is like, it pops off the screen every time he's on. So I, sure. you know, can't really complain about any, anything they do with him. Next, Alex Marvis is with the Dark Order, and they do have the Hangman thing, but there's no discord among the Dark Order, so... Right. That, you know, the Alan Angels thing was just a one-off where he was mad he didn't get on the on the lawnmower so i think it's it's fine well that is that's an every week thing on bte really but <laughs> right he's he's the whipping boy of the stable uh they're trying to figure out who's going to accept darby's challenge negative one wants to accept the challenge but uno says maybe in 10 years uh and then he asks who wants to everybody raises their hand but it seems like uno picked john silver who will be challenging Darby Allen. Well, alex volunteered him again because alex like kip a very good friend and was like how about john and then that that was enough. He he got he was the only person to get two votes. Everyone else voted for themselves and got one vote. That makes sense. I like that. I like friendship. Yeah. I like violence. I like friendship. And I like being happy yeah. with pro wrestling. That's all you need. That's all you need in this life. Um, MJF turns the inner circle locker room into the Pinnacles locker room. Are they going to do a, a locker room brawl? You think that's going to be an upcoming match on... Uh, AEW Dynamite on TNT. <laughs> I think hopefully gonna... not. 
mostly because their locker rooms are just conference rooms, so they're yeah. not very colorful places. I think that as they're one to do, I think that there's going to be an, a mediation session between Pinnacle and the dark and the inner circle about ownership of said locker room, so they can have another just <sighs> ex- ten minute long Jericho and MJF thing. Just yeah, fucking fight. Just do me- violence. Mega is the official. Uh, oh yeah. Mediator. mediator absolutely yeah i want to see a, a multi-purpose room mayhem match <laughs> <laughs> like the, the least exciting room you can do a match in uh and then we close things out with the lights out unsanctioned match on our television uh program Britt baker versus thunder rosa rosa one with the fire thunder driver through a table off the apron killer finish really couldn't get Britt pinned because of the table Brit's like half under the ring during all this. Uh, it ruled. It was great. All right. Well, that was Dynamite this week. If uh, if you like the show, you want to support our show, this show, not Dynamite. I mean, if you like Dynamite, also probably important, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. We've got three tiers. Uh, the big difference is the middle tier, the $5 tier, gets you all the audio we do, but the $8 tier gets you the live dynamite uh or whatever this show that we do yeah you get you can be in the chat while we talk and distract us uh you can muse about whether rick rubin might like little witch academia uh it's everything you could possibly want in an eight dollar patreon subscription absolutely um and remember that you don't have to necessarily listen live it sticks up on youtube and you can still check it out before it gets up on our main feed uh we do basically at least one show a week we do light where we preview dynamite nate breaks down the vlogs uh this week we did a fun little mailbag where we answered a lot of listener questions um trying to think of what every i mean what got the most response in the discord like what was the really the fun question that we answered on on the show i've put everybody on the spot they look (laughs) they look Um, terrified i I think probably the Mudo stuff probably got the most reaction yeah that was good we talked about Mudo's uh ghc reign for sure I'm I'm going back in the in the Discord to see. Notably, none of us watch Noah, so, and we talked about the Mudo GHC rain for 20 minutes or whatever. Well, I I was mostly talking about again Cyber Agent Corporate and their uh, their, their content strategies. So you sort of have to take, you know, Muta Muto Muta, you know, if you're not factoring in how he how he has synergy with the Horse Girl idols, then you're really not doing the job. That's right. So that's what you come to us for. So we did that. Uh, Mike did an elevation instant reaction uh, on Monday night. So that's up there. Uh, we got the Discord. I've got an episode of Mixtape Club uh, probably coming out this month. It might end up in April, but I'm hoping to squeeze it out in March. Uh, I think I can confirm now that it'll be with uh, with Murder Brian. So Brian will come back to the Everything Elite Patreon. It's been a while, and I'm going to have him talk about christian metalcore (laughs) so i'm very pleased about that uh and i'm really looking forward to it really popped yourself i did i I just i think it's funny to make uh brian talk about uh christian music that makes me laugh uh and uh the spears boys will probably give us uh some shows on the student showcase shows we got a, a nightmare or no it's not nightmare family showcase what do we got coming up apparently there is a nightmare factory one coming real soon and then Dustin, I, I forget what he calls his yeah, yeah, yeah. school. He's Rhodes doing one. Wrestling Academy, maybe? Yeah, I think Rhodes Wrestling Academy is it. So uh, Drew and I both 
weirdly like like sub indie wrestling and also watching like <laughs> brand new wrestlers and see how, and see how things going and you know we're, we're gonna figure out that we've talked about it, we've dropped links to each other it's just kind of sitting down and deciding when we're going to record that yeah so we got plenty of stuff so uh check that out patreon.com slash everything elite next week on dynamite here's what we know we're gonna get a rematch from the aw uh women's tournament nyla rose versus ty conti FTR and Sean Spears will take on the Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin. Really worried about Dante Martin's exposure to uh, the Varsity <laughs> here. Uh, having seen that uh, Griff is apparently uh, who did he, Stephen Crowder or something he followed on Instagram. Very worried for Dante here. Uh, the TNT title, Darby Allen will take on. Worried, worried, worried about Dante. I'm, I'm worried that Griff Garrison is half-assed parenting negative one at this point. If you watch the <laughs> Sammy Guevara vlog, mm-hmm. <laughs> can't say I watched the Sammy Guevara vlog, but that does concern me. Um, Darby Allen versus John Silver should be a blast. Kenny Omega versus Matt Seidel in a match that was set up on Elevation, a show that I will almost certainly never watch again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. It, it, it's interesting. I was actually like on Twitter. They had a match. And I forgot about this. They had a match in Bola 2014 that was really solid. So I'm looking forward to this one. And it's apparently another title eliminator match. If Matt Seidel wins and he gets a title shot, I don't know when in the future, but apparently he would. Yeah, this, this kind of just feels like a thing. Is like Kenny's like, I want to wrestle Matt Seidel. Can we do a little two week program with Matt Seidel? It's like, yeah, those are going to be good and cool. It's a good way to to kill time heading into like your next pay-per-view cycle give him a a title defense yeah i don't mind it at all um it might actually be it might not actually be a title defense but you know it might not but you know we'll see but yeah they've got to i don't know what they're you know what they're going to do for what's next double or nothing is that going to be the next pay-per-view yeah it has to be right may is double or nothing so i don't know what the what the uh, direction will be for that. But yeah, you got to find a way to, to kill some time before that. God knows they're not going to tell us a two and a half month story before they uh, take us in a double or nothing. So, well, they might, but you know, eight of the segments will be the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I loved that Tony had an interview. He was like, I think this uh, Britt Baker Thunder Rosa story is the best story we've ever told. And I'm like, I can't, you, yeah, it's been a pretty good story, but it's like not that great. And like, it's pretty overall, simple. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining about simple. Like simple is, it's sure. obviously been effective, but but they've forgotten about it for like weeks at a time. Like <laughs> it's just disappeared. So I'm like, yeah, well, maybe that says something more about your other stories, Tony, than it really says about uh, about this story. But anyway, that'll be the show on uh, Dynamite next week. Mike and I will preview that on Light uh, next Wednesday morning. So make sure you subscribe to the Patreon so you can check that out. Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. Make sure you go over to uh, my bookie. Uh, use the promo code ELITE to get your uh, deposit bonus. Anything else, guys, before we get out of here? I got nothing, nothing else. All right. Follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating interview. And I already did the other plug. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. <laughs>